Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. I grew up just a couple of miles from Lake Michigan in St. Joseph, Michigan. There's a famous lighthouse out on a pier. There are actually uh, two piers. Uh, very popular places to walk out on in the summer, actually all times of year. Uh, but we were warned never to go out there uh, during uh, bad weather. Actually, the sun could be shining, but the waves, if the waves were high, we weren't supposed to go out there. Because a wave could come up suddenly, and even if it just splashes an, an inch or two over the pier, you could be swept off. And we were also warned that even in good weather to never jump off the pier, especially on the riverside, because at all times there would be dangerous undercurrents that would drag you out uh, under the water and sweep you out into the middle of the lake uh, very quickly. And not only were we uh, warned these things in school, uh, but there were large signs uh, posted at the entrance to each of the piers. You couldn't miss it. But every year, we would hear of multiple deaths on one of the two piers from people doing exactly those things. And almost every death was someone who was young, who was in the prime of their life, the strongest they would ever be. Uh, and they believed that they were strong enough, that those signs and warnings were meant for everybody else who wasn't as strong as they were. And so how ironic that the very thing that they thought would protect them actually became their downfall. This is what happens in a parable Jesus tells in our gospel lesson. The parable of the ten virgins. Five of them went to hell because they thought they had enough of what should save them. And so it's a, it's a parable and a contrast between being wise between wisdom and foolishness. Uh, now, this parable is an embarrassment of riches because it, it's, so, uh, it's so glorious. There's so much depth to it. Uh, two years ago, uh, maybe you remember, uh, maybe not, you, uh, we, we read through the Song of Songs in our Advent uh, devotions and during our Advent services. Song of Songs should be ringing in your ears as you hear this parable. And likewise, when you read the Song of Songs, this parable should be ringing in your ears. If you don't remember the Song of Songs, uh, in the song, there's a bridegroom uh, coming to receive his bride. But he's delayed. So the bride falls asleep. She's afraid she, she can't find uh, her groom. But at midnight, the, the sound of the trumpets uh, call out and the groom comes on a chariot of gold, perfumed with frankincense and myrrh. The song is a picture, just as the parable is, of the bridegroom Jesus, who will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And you might have picked up on the, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh the bridegroom has. Who gave those things to Jesus way before his coming again? The wise men, right? Well, who wrote, and who wrote the Song of Songs? 
King Solomon. Who, and, and what was he known for? Well, his wisdom. There's the well-known account of King Solomon asking for wisdom and, and then being able to judge fairly between two women who both claimed a child was theirs after one of theirs uh, died in the middle of the night. Uh, but one part of Solomon's life that's not as well known is the end of his life. At the end of his life, Solomon began to rely on his wisdom. He began to trust his wisdom. And the more he trusted in his wisdom, the less he trusted in God. And although the Bible doesn't definitively say it, it seems that in the end, wise King Solomon lost his faith completely. And so the question is, what does it mean to be truly wise? Like Solomon, we tend to think that to be wise means to be good, to be able to judge between right and wrong, to simply know right from wrong, to be morally good, to do good things. But friends, we are not saved by our goodness. In the parable, Jesus tells all ten virgins, all ten of them fall asleep while waiting for the bridegroom to come. They all fall asleep. They all have some moral failings. None of them did what they should have done, and they all did what they shouldn't have done. None of them was good, no, not one. And so in reality, none of the ten deserved to be let into the marriage banquet. Like the meme, they all had one job and they all failed. So the surprising thing is not that five aren't let in, but that five are. And they're let in because they're called wise. Again, what makes them wise? In the books of Solomon, God made a point to, be, to compare Solomon with his father, David, King David. Now, David had moral failings, too. In fact, between the two of them, David was by far worse morally. Uh, David was a terrible person, coveting someone else's wife, having adultery with Bathsheba, killing her husband Uriah, then lying about it. But David repented, considering himself both foolish and unworthy. Meanwhile, Solomon, who is portrayed as morally better, thought himself wise and good enough. But that's it, isn't it? If you don't think you have to worry, if you don't think you have a problem, that's actually when you do. Think of Noah's Ark. A few years ago, we went to see the replica of the Ark Encounter in Kentucky. And one of the main features of that Ark, if you were there, uh, was the door. And even if you weren't there, you can imagine this, this big, great big door. It was huge. Uh, and, and so only God could shut that door. And that door not only let Noah and his family in, but kept all the foolish out. Noah had preached for, remember how long? 120 years, and not a single person thought it mattered. Not a single person came to that door beforehand. No one thought the flood was going to come. Well, it did. And then what happened? Everyone ran to the door, but the door was already shut. And they all died. 
Now, in the story Jesus tells the parable here, it's a little bit different because all ten of them had already been in the ark. They'd already been in the church, inside the door. The ten virgins are all the baptized. <clears throat> scripture talks about how in baptism, Jesus makes us uh, pure like a bride in her virginity before her marriage. No matter how awful and promiscuous she actually was beforehand, <clears throat> in baptism, all of that is wiped clean and she is accepted by her bridegroom as without blemish and without spot. That's why the brides in weddings today still always wear white. And so here, all ten virgins were Christians. At some point, they were all inside the ark, the door of the church. But five of them go to And so this parable is not a warning to those outside of the ark, as in Noah's case, but a warning for all of us who are inside it so that we don't leave it. The danger is to think that we can jump out uh, and swim back to it um, because we'll have the strength to get back in or that there will be time to repent and the door will still be open. Don't play with fire. Don't play with sin. Don't tempt God. If you think you have enough faith that you can jump off into sin, that you can carry on in whatever sin, you can carry on in an extramarital affair and still be in the kingdom, if you can think you ha can have your cake and eat it too, that you can get drunk, you can blaspheme and curse God's name, you are like someone jumping off the pier thinking they can swim back against the current, unlike every other person. If you think you have enough faith, that's the very time you probably don't. Now, we talk about making our faith grow stronger. And I, I really think that's an oxymoron. Faith is acknowledging how weak you are and grasping not onto your own faith, but onto Jesus. If you could actually grow in faith, it would simply be by the realization of how great the distance is between you and heaven by your own righteousness. I do not and I cannot grow my faith. Faith is something that is received. And this is such good news. Because when I'm at my lowest, when I'm at my lowest morally, when I'm like David and I've done terrible, awful things, when I have nothing good left in me, it means I still have something outside of me. When I've jumped off the pier, it means God has jumped out after me with a life preserver. I grasp not my righteousness, not my faith, but the righteousness and faith of my Savior. And this makes it possible for us to actually keep watch, to not be foolish, but to have faith and to be wise. And this faith actually comes to us. Jesus brings himself to us with the strength to not grow careless and fall asleep. Notice where the foolish are directed to. The wise direct them to the merchants to go buy more oil. 
But what's the equivalent? Where is faith not just created, but actually preserved? In the divine service, in church, where you receive the means of grace. Your baptism has given you entrance to the entire market. There's Christmas markets going on right now. If I had a free pass to go buy whatever I want, oh man, look out. I love those things. You, because you are baptized, have free reign to the entire storehouse of God's gifts for you. Now just think of all the gifts God gives you here through the church specifically. Uh, marriage, fellowship, the prayers, uh, not just prayer, but the prayers, the liturgy, fellow Christians to bear your burdens along with you, not to mention holy absolution, the forgiveness of sins, life and salvation in the Holy Supper. You can't get any of that anywhere else. Now, sure, you can get imitations of those things elsewhere, but they're not the real thing. But five of these virgins didn't care. They didn't think any of that stuff mattered. They were all baptized, but five of them never made use of it. They never made use of their baptism. They had free entrance to the gifts of God, but they never used it. They didn't nurture it. They didn't prepare. They didn't buy anything. They wasted their time doing who knows what, because they thought they had enough already. So they try to go to the wedding. But guess what? The door's shut. It's too late. Solomon ironically said, the wise man has eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. These five walk in darkness. They have no oil in their lamps. The bridegroom doesn't know them. He can't see their faces. They have no lamps. They have no righteousness because they thought they were righteous. And so they despised and ignored the market where the Lord's body and blood had been freely offered for years and years and years. Just like Noah preaching before the flood. It is great that you are here. This is where you should be. Stay in this. This is the market where oil is freely given. Don't ever think that you have enough. Because you come, how often you come, twice a month, three times a month, you've got enough. Don't ever think that. To rely on your own wisdom or your own strength or even your own faith is the epitome of foolishness. And the door will be shut and you will be outside of it. But to rely on your Savior, to receive the bread that is his body and the wine that is his blood in the Holy Supper is to already come to the wedding banquet, the supper, although not yet fully. It looks like bread and wine. It doesn't look like Jesus. Right? Maybe even especially today with the, 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 the straw-colored wine. It doesn't look like Jesus, but it is. It looks like a, like a couple dozen strangers gathered around an old church. It doesn't look like heaven, 
but it is. You and I don't look like saints, but we are. And you're here not because you're so wise and good. In fact, we look very foolish, especially to the world and those outside of here. But being here doesn't make you any better than anyone else. You, you recognize that you're not wise. Rather, you have been declared so. You are wise. Because wisdom, Jesus, has declared you so. And you receive the gifts of Jesus himself, who became for you wisdom incarnate. Christ puts his own wisdom over you. Like a groom, he gives you his own name. And so when he comes again, and he will come again, you will be found wise. He will recognize you. Because you're not out walking in darkness, but you've got the lamp of faith, the gifts of Jesus. And no one and no thing, not even your own foolishness, not even your own sin, will be able to separate you from the love of your Savior. The door will be shut, and you will be inside of it because you're already here through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.